Presented by Impact Media. It's our all sports show here at Impact Media. That makes me Jeremy the Impact York. That makes you my wonderful, amazing listening audience. To which we are very appreciative. You guys know that. But if you're new to the show or accidentally downloaded the wrong show, welcome in. Just did introductions. Uh Gonna talk some uh, English Premier League, some baseball. Got some uh, MLS. Uh, of course, we're gonna start with the NFL, and we're gonna start by um, talking about the conference championship games. To give us our two Super Bowl teams. Now, as I always do and always have done, since they give us two weeks before the Super Bowl, well, you'll get my prediction next week. And we'll talk a lot more Super Bowl, really breaking it down on next week's show, which will hopefully be a lot sooner in the week than, than this one. Trust me, it will be. But, let's start. Tampa Bay, 31. Green Bay. 26. It was close. And it was close because Green Bay had to make a heck of a comeback towards the end, but, well, they have a man named Rodgers. He's pretty good at that. But Tampa Bay gets the win. They will move on to the Super Bowl. They are the first team to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium because I'm not... I'm pretty sure Kansas City is technically the home team. I don't know if they will make them swap locker rooms or not. I don't know. That's aesthetics thing, a logistics thing. Who knows? Uh, the Brady-Rogers duel was exactly that. This was a showcase of two of the best in the game, two of the best all time. I'm not saying the two best all time. Brady, Brady is. This now makes Tom Brady will be playing in his 10th Super Bowl. 10th. Think about this. There's been uh, 54, 55 Super Bowls, something like that. Tom Brady's played in 10 of them. He's played in almost 20% of the Super Bowls that have ever happened. Ever. And he's won six of them. Right? Six or six. Now I'm confused. Either way, he's won a majority of the ones he's played in. And now he's doing it with another team. Sure, there's been a couple other quarterbacks. Peyton Manning did it. A couple others that um, won a Super Bowl with two different teams. But the fact that he's going to his tenth, I'm not sure any other player has been to that many. 
that's that's just insane. Once again, uh, Rogers Rogers team. I'd say he played pretty well. Rogers team comes up a little short when it counts. They finally get a home game for the NFC Championship and uh, end up coming up a little short. Uh, there's a, there's always the speculation and the rumors. I personally don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere because there's not many other places that are going to let him be him the way he is in Green Bay. Uh, the Packers secondary had issues. Um, part of it was the Buccaneers scheme and part of it was uh, just a couple people out of position at the wrong times. It happens during the game. Just a lot of times you don't see it because the person out of out of position, they don't throw to that side. Well, Brady did. That pass and catch to Scotty Miller right before halftime was like sandlot. You draw that one up. That was just crazy. Uh, let's see, what else? Tampa Bay being a wild card team, they had to go on the road and win three in a row, which they did. Including the Saints, including Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I mean, these weren't easy teams. This was a star-studded, loaded. Just a, just a loaded playoffs. Uh, another thing about Tampa, you got the Buccaneers who are playing in the Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Rays with their historic run last summer. And uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who in the NHL are the defending Stanley Cup champions from last year. Uh, it seems like the center of the sports world is Tampa, Florida. So congratulations to them. So, as I typically do for the team that loses, what's, what's next? What's some things to take away from this? Well, like I said with Green Bay, it obviously is going to center around Rodgers. I don't think contract-wise they can do much with him. I don't think many people are going to want to trade for him. As good as he is, it's just uh, he would have to learn a whole new scheme and, and all these different – there's a lot of factors in that. Uh, coaching staff will, will probably stay intact. You know, you're not going to lose anybody because of this. I look for them to draft and sign a, a free agent or so in the secondary – that is an area that uh, plagued them a little bit throughout the year. It was not the worst area because I, I actually know one of the guys in the secondary. I've covered him uh, for a handful of years, and, uh, you know, it's they have a pretty decent unit. They've just got to button up a few things, I think, and I think one or two uh, more quality people back there will do that. Um, they're probably going to lose Aaron Jones free agency because they're not going to want to pay him and that's fine you have two running backs behind him that can uh, pretty much pick up the slack there I think he'll be okay uh, you know instead of having a, uh, an A to an A plus back you might have two B pluses or, or an A minus and a B plus you know you can make that work especially in the salary cap era that's possibly going to stay where it is or go down so uh, like I said they're they're not they're, they're good offensive line They uh, they have some some uh, some good receivers, some that emerge. People you didn't think 
we even knew who they were, and yet they come out and did some pretty good things. I could see them looking into um, maybe a tight end. They they got a pretty good one, but uh, I, I could see them maybe going that direction, and um, probably linebacker because their pass rush is pretty decent. But I think uh, if they could find another guy that did what Clay Matthews did for them years ago, then I think they'll really be in the driver's seat. But all that being said, Tampa Bay is in the Super Bowl. Now let's get to the next game. Buffalo 24. Kansas City Chiefs 38. This game was never close. Kansas City come in almost ticked off it seemed like. Uh, they just started blowing up the score just as much as they could. Josh Allen did what he could, but he didn't have the world's best game. Uh, Kansas City is looking to go back-to-back -back as far as winning Super Bowls. And they're going to have to go through the last quarterback to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls to do so. I thought that was a pretty cool stat. The Kansas City defense kept the pressure up on Josh Allen all night. That was how they, they kept him rattled, kept him from flying around everywhere, from finding Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. Speaking of Cole Beasley, it, it came out, he admitted that the past three games, well, he's played with a uh, fractured uh, fibula, I believe. He's played with a broken leg, basically. But uh, that just shows you the kind of grinder he is. And uh, shout out to him. Hopefully, speedy recovery. Uh, let's see, what else was there? Uh, Mahomes just took control of this game, and he kept control of it. He made sure that there was always enough distance between uh, them and the Bills to where they, they were never going to catch up. And that was pretty apparent, I think, in about the third quarter, honestly. About midway through the third quarter, I realized this game was, was pretty over. Tyreek, it was the Tyreek Hill show. Uh, his speed, I think he had nine catches for 170 yards or 172 yards. It's, it, it's just, how can you... How can you combat a guy like that that when you get him in space, you're not going to catch him? That's something Tampa Bay is going to have to figure out. Uh, you got Beasley and Diggs. As I mentioned before, they were the uh, they were the big targets, and they, they did their best. But uh, when you're down that much, sometimes there's just not much you can do about it. This is a thing that Buffalo is going to have to fix as far as their uh, takeaways from this. Moving forward, uh, their leading rusher, was Josh Allen. Your leading rusher, ev even if you're Baltimore, even if you're Arizona, your leading rusher does not need to be your quarterback because that means you have no run game. And they really didn't have much of a run game because I believe he had 88 yards or something like that which is a decent amount, but your leading rusher should not, in a playoff game, especially in a conference championship, should not be your quarterback. And then uh, traffic, tra traffic, Travis Kelsey, 
13 catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns. He, he's the best in the league. And it's not close. You know, we hear the rumor that Philadelphia is shopping Zach Ertz around. Well, Zach Ertz is good. Maybe on a better team, he starts to put up Kelsey-like numbers. But Travis Kelsey is just in a class all by himself. Uh, some of the other takeaways, things for Buffalo in this one. I can see them running back, offensive linemen. Their pass rush could be a little better. Uh... To me, they, they need about a piece or so in almost every level. And it's not the ones they have are bad. They've either got to fix the scheme, get these get a little more out of these guys, or you got to find somebody else. But this is a team, Cleveland and Buffalo, these are teams that we're going to see for the next couple years at least as they continue to grow. This is just scratching the surface for some of these teams. So we'll see what they do moving forward because with Cleveland, they're going to be in a tough division. Buffalo... You know, you got to imagine the Patriots are going to be better. you got to imagine Miami's going to be a little better. The Jets are still in your division. You know, can't take people lightly. But so our Super Bowl is going to be Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know by now you've heard 100 people say that. That's fine. You've heard other people break it down. Fine. Next week, you'll get my prediction. And, uh... Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll reach out and get a few uh, guests of the show and friends of the show's opinions as well, and we'll uh, we'll put those here on the show. Moving on to more NFL news. Matt Stafford and the Lions have decided they no longer want to see each other anymore. They are on the, they will be on the market. Well, Matt Stafford will be. Um. Somebody listed out an article with 10 places he could possibly go. I'm going to start from the back and move forward. The Jets, no. Carolina, maybe. Because you got to think, these are people that need to package things together to send to Detroit. Detroit's not just going to hand him over like he's a pack of gum. Uh, the L.A. Rams, I think would be a good fit. Pittsburgh, no. Denver, why would you want to go to that mess? New England, maybe. New Orleans, that's one I brought up. Uh, Washington football team, okay. Uh, the number two on their list was San Francisco. I can see that. But the one that I think is going to make the move, and the one that I think should make the move, are the Indianapolis Colts. Because not only did you lose Phillip Rivers, and now you need to replace that kind of production, At least at this particular juncture, Matt Stafford is, what, 32, 33, somewhere in there, maybe 34? Yeah, he's got at least four, five, six years left, and you got a team that's ready to win now, and this guy's not afraid to sling and sling accurately. He's not used to having weapons like you have down there. So, trade for Matt Stafford, pick up an, another wide receiver or so, and the Colts are ready to go. That's, that's them or the Rams, I think, are, are the top two destinations because the Rams are never afraid to make a move. But those are the two places that I think Matt Stafford could go. Um, let's see. New Orleans quarterback coach Joe Lombardi is going to be the new offensive coordinator for the Chargers. 
Joe Lombardi is, is a guy that will be a head coach in a couple years, uh, well-respected across the league, players, executives, coaches, everything. And it's not even his last name. Joe is one of those guys that everybody wants on their team. So right now he's going to be on the Chargers. I think he'll be an OC for a couple years, maybe even a year. And if the Chargers with Justin Herbert do really well, he might, he might get a few interviews next year. Greg Olson has retired. So is Jason Witten. Greg Olson and Jason Witten, two of the best tight ends of this era. Um, Greg Olson a little better at uh, running up the field where Witten just has this knack for getting open. They both retire without a Super Bowl win. Everybody can't get one. Um, as far as what they do moving forward, I say Greg Olson. Uh, I believe he's gonna he's gonna pick up where he was with Fox, and uh, he'll be in the booth, whether he's calling NFL or or I mean maybe even college, who knows? But Greg Olson's gonna be in the booth. As far as Jason Witten, I would say feel I always felt like he'd be more of a uh, front office player personnel type guy. I think he did okay in the booth. Maybe he does a booth-related thing. But um, if he's going to be a front office executive, it's not going to be in Dallas, and we know that. But uh, shout-out to them on their amazing careers. Thanks for entertaining us all these years. And uh, good luck in the future. Uh, a few things about the Super Bowl. I want to go ahead and put these in because uh, they were, they're they not going to be a part of the breakdown next week because it's going to be more on the field things. And that is that uh, Sarah Thomas is going to be the down judge on Carl Sheffer's crew for the Super Bowl. She will be the first female referee to referee a Super Bowl. Congratulations to her on that. That's that's fantastic. As somebody with uh, with nieces, and uh, and uh, a lot of my friends have little girls. And hey, this is showing that if if you want to be a referee in the NFL, that avenue's there. You got to work for it. And if you work for it, there's a chance you can get there. So congratulations to her on that. And speaking of female accomplishments, Jennifer King is going to be the first black woman to be a full-time NFL coach. She is a offensive assistant for the Washington football team. Congratulations to her on that. That that is just spectacular. Once again, if you have a little girl or a little niece and and they want to be a football coach, Jennifer King showing you can do that. That's that's just spectacular. I'm I'm excited for that, and I look forward to uh, seeing what these ladies do, and showing that you know what, girls can play too. And then lastly, these kind of tie in together. You know, we had the I think it was one of the wild card games that was on Nickelodeon, and. You know, now we get that the Pro Bowl this week is going to be mainly a Madden tournament featuring some celebrities and some players. 
Okay. A lot of people are like, well, why would you want to tune in to watch other people play video games? Well, apparently you're not paying attention to the uh, generation coming up behind us. Because this is huge. The streaming and, and following along of, of uh, others through Twitch and other avenues are, it, it's huge right now. This is the NFL appealing to the next market. The next market are the teenagers and children that are coming through right now. They know how do you appeal to them. Well, let's put it on their network when it's on Nickelodeon, and let's instead of doing a Pro Bowl in these, you don't want to fly people in from all over the place, given uh, the, the concerns health-wise and such right now. And even if, if I mean, past that, I mean, you could have you could tell people their accomplishment of, of who made it to a Pro Bowl and all that. And that's fine because it's a great accomplishment. But they're showing that they're willing to appeal to this newer, fresh market. And that's, that's something the NBA does a pretty good job of. Um, MLS is working on it. The NHL is working on it. But I just think that's spectacular that the NFL is is doing their best to um, not cater, but appeal to the newer audience like this. Because there's a league out there that is doing the polar opposite. And that's just going to move me right into my next topic. Major League Baseball. The Baseball Writers of America a.k.a. the people who think they're God, got together and decided nobody's worth going in the Hall of Fame this year. Nobody. So while other leagues celebrate between five and ten, if not more, people every year, celebrate the lives and careers of these pioneers and people who help build the league into what they are, baseball says... We hate the past, because that's what they're saying. We hate the past, we don't respect it. Whether it's, uh, well, this guy wasn't good enough, or we think this guy cheated, or this guy took a, took a substance, or did this. Or Baseball, here's what you're doing. You're trying to create an exclusive club to which only the writers, because the problem is, is the writers are the ones who make this decision, but baseball's front office is the one who allows it to happen because they could have changed this a long time ago. You let a bunch of writers get in a room and decide who they like. Now think about this. People like Kurt Schilling who had the top percentage this year at like 72. You need 75 to get in. Kurt Schilling is not very popular with the media because they didn't really like each other. Him and the media didn't get along very well. That should have nothing to do with it. It does. It does also in football. But baseball, it does their best every year to see if they can drive the current fan base and the future fan base away from their sport. You want to know why suddenly they can't build big stadiums? They build these nice little cozy ones? Because they can't fill them up. And they can't fill them up because they find ways to drive them away. So instead of there being a Hall of Fame ceremony this summer, we could all tune into, or maybe some people could get travel packages and go up and check out the Hall of Fame in Canton or in uh, 
God, I just forgot where it is. See, that's how that's how long it's been. They've decided that instead of having a celebration of baseball this summer, that we're not going to have anything. Because in a week, nobody will be talking about this. Because there's nothing left to talk about. Once everybody talks about it this week, this is over and done with. The next time we will even consider baseball as a topic in a national arena, such as such as these you know shows like this one and ESPN, the next time they even remotely do it is what in two weeks when pitchers and catchers show up. How bad is that? And then once again, it, outside of the, uh, the the trades or the signings here or there baseball doesn't generate a lot of big moments and news until their season starts and even then because it's so long and because it's 162 games people don't tune into half of them but baseball can just they think they're better than everybody else so you five people go have fun on that side of the room and the other 95 percent of everybody will be over here enjoying all the other sports who celebrate their past because here's the last thing for all these writers to say, well, this guy probably took steroids or this guy it was proven that he did. OK, I bring this up to you. Your commissioner in front office at the time, Bud Selig, completely allowed it to happen when he knew it was happening. It was happening before the big boom. But it just become more rampant during the big the big era there, the home run ball era. He allowed it to happen because it was doing all these great things for baseball. It was generating so much revenue across the league. And then when that started to dwindle, he started to witch hunt and condemn everybody that did it. And it's not just Bud Seeley. It's a bunch of other people that did it as well. He just happened to be the one in charge. He allowed it to happen, and then when suddenly it wasn't going to be advantageous for the league or himself, he went against it. And so now you're trying to push all these people and, and say all these people were bad and all that. Okay, well, then every dime you made off those people, why don't you donate that to charity? Let's do that. Just every, everybody that made any money off the steroid era from these guys that you won't put in the Hall of Fame, let's go donate that to a charity. Pick a charity. It doesn't matter at this point. You want to do a COVID charity? That's great. You want to do Boys and Girls Club of America? That's great. Wounded Warriors? I don't even care which one it is. But don't play both faces of this. This is why baseball continues to lose momentum. And that's why you're probably the third or fourth biggest sport. And that's only because you're hanging on. As soon as a couple of these other sports behind you, MLS, NHL, some of these other ones pick up steam because they're catering to the right markets. They're not condemning their past, even though they're the ones who allowed it to happen. They're going to move past you. Let's move on to happier stuff. Uh, the New York Yankees have acquired pitcher Jamison Talon. Or Talion? I think it's Talion. Could be Tayon. Uh, from Pittsburgh for three, four different minor league prospects. Uh, I think Jamison only has about a $2 million cap charge this year. So that really helps the Yankees. Plus, it's the Yankees loading up. Uh, it's going to be a fun time in, in New York this year because the Yankees and Mets are doing a lot of really cool stuff. You've got the Padres and Dodgers out west. You've got Atlanta here in town. 
This seems like they're going to be really good. You can never count out Tampa Bay. Toronto's made some moves. Uh, the Cardinals just made a move to get uh, Arenado, I think. I mean, the teams that were usually doing pretty well, and a couple new faces like uh, Tampa and Toronto, this can be a fun season. Hopefully, they can counteract all the stuff I just said and get more interest in the sport. But good on the Yankees for doing that. For uh, acquiring Jameson, he's going to probably be a, a three in the rotation for them, and that should scare everybody that a pitcher like that is number three. Uh, we found out the MLS season is going to start in April. I believe October will be the playoffs with November, December-ish potentially being the finals. That's great. That's great. I look forward to some things in the next week or so. MLS is going to really start to unfurl the schedules and uh, protocols and such like that because I think we're going to see some fans in the sand for some of these. EPL. That's English Premier, team, uh, Premier League. In fact, right now we have Man U and Arsenal on our televisions as we are doing this show. Speaking of Man U, they knocked Liverpool out of the FA Cup 3-2. to two. Liverpool is not having a good January. They're, they're not having a good January. Uh, because where was the other thing here? Oh, Burnley stunned Liverpool at Anfield 1 to nothing, which snapped a 68-match home winning streak that they had at uh, at Anfield. So, Liverpool, I know they dominated and just crushed everything last year. They've seemed to lost a little bit of that momentum this year. Nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, they, uh, they better get it together or they could be on the outside looking in when we get towards the end of the year. Uh, Cheltenham lost 3-1 to to Man City in the FA Cup. They had a one to nothing lead all the way up until the 80th minute. They were 10 minutes away from knocking Man City off. Aaron Rodgers, big Man City fan, by the way. And then Man City remembered who they were, and they put three goals on the board after the 80th minute. They won 3-1. to one. But, uh, hey, the FA Cup, that's what it's about. Is sometimes the smaller teams from other leagues, because it's a multi-league tournament, Sometimes they make a huge run like this, and that's uh, just hats off to Cheltenham. Keep digging, guys. That was fantastic. And then Arsenal lost one to nothing to Southampton. Congratulations to Southampton on that in the FA Cup. Arsenal was the defending champion, so Southampton knocked off the defending champions and made sure that we will see a new champion this year. Lastly but not leastly, Chelsea fired their manager and legend Frank Lampard I think what it come down to was he was not giving given enough control and over the roster and things like that because he continued to play as better players who were the younger players some of the the more veteran people were upset by this so I think they eventually got him out and also Chelsea can sometimes be a little bit of a mess as far as their front office and I just think they thought the easiest thing to do was to fire, fire Frank. There's a good chance we'll see Frank back again. He's such a Chelsea legend anyway. But we could see him 
back as manager in a handful of years the way they like to do things. But uh, either way, he'll land on his feet. He'll be coaching somewhere very, very soon, I believe. He should coach but Shout out to all you amazing people who tuned in. Who listen to everything great. And every awesome opinion that I may or may not have. And maybe just keep it all over. But either way, you guys know how to find us. Uh, at Team Impact Media on Twitter. The Impact 99 on Like I said, that's going to be it. I'm here for the Impact World. Thanks for tuning in to Impact Media Presents The Sports Show. We will see you guys next week.